This is Quit, a show about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, starting something awesome, and kicking your crummy corporate stooge job to the curb. I am Dan Benjamin, and it is Friday. It's always Friday somewhere. It's August 7th, 2015. This is our 72nd episode of this program, and uh, joining me here in the studio today is Hattie Cook. Welcome, welcome to the show, Hattie. Nice to have you here on the on the show. I love it. You, love, you were just nice you were telling me the other day when we were talking about shows. You're saying you like to just show up for quit because you don't you don't have well, the same kind of uh, burden of preparation to, uh, on the show that I do, and so you can just kind of hang out. You, you're not, spread out across the office. You've got papers out. These are these you're are work, your papers. You're working here in here, and I appreciate. No, this. I no, I, I, I'm this, I'm going to say something nice. I commend you. Okay. I would like to just describe because people always wonder what it's like in other people's jobs, right? What's it like to be Hattie? She's chewing and mm-hmm. what, she's eating breakfast sausages. She's got her coffee. She's got a mic in front of her. She's got a, a, a things printed out. She's got tax folders. Papers. She's got tax paper. She's got her computer. She's got her phone. She's, she's multitasking. And that's something that I find uh, a challenge because how many of us don't have like a job? I remember when I was younger, uh, I had like a job. I had like a thing that I did. And then the, the more entrepreneurial not my favorite word, but the more entrepreneurial that I became, the more I realized that doing just one thing uh, it was impossible. And back in the uh, mid-90s when I had first started working, I remember I was one day I was at, at work and the VP of the company, this is back in the old days where we didn't have, you only had C-level uh, employees for essentially publicly traded companies. Like you didn't have... A CEO, you wouldn't have a CEO of a company with only 30 people in it. You didn't have a CEO in a company with 30 people. You had a CEO in a company with 3,000 people because right. the guy wasn't elected. He wasn't a, an elected officer, right? He wasn't, the, he wasn't an officer of the company. He was like him and his friends started the company and he's president and I'll be VP. Cool. Right. Like who's going to be this? And they're like, yeah, pick your title. Right. <laughs> and he was, I mean, he was the VP. And so that was that was cool. Like that was the second person in charge. It was pretty obvious. Anyway, he was the VP and he would like at the end of the day, I saw him like he was cleaning stuff up. He was taking the trash out. We had 30, 40 people in the company. And it occurred to me that like I had two thoughts at the same time. The first one was, wow, like this guy rolls up his sleeves and does the same stuff He's that awesome. I do every day. On the other hand, I was like, wow, that sucks. Does that mean that like if I have a company and I have 40 people working for me, I'm still going to have to take out the trash? Like what, what privileges do I get as the VP of a company? Because in my mind, I'd always imagine like a VP, like uh, come and turn my computer on for me and take a letter, you know, but in right. reality, it's not like that at all. Right, like what's your name, Bill? And right. you're like, actually, it's <laughs> right. Frank. And you're like, oh, right. yeah, I'm, well, I'm Frank. I work in accounting. We, we met once three years ago. Oh, right. right. Of course. Uh, Frank, you know, but no, it's not like that at all. It's, you know, you, you, you roll up your sleeves and you do stuff. And it is, I will tell you, especially with this startup culture that we have today, Hattie, it is very easy to get caught up in that world of titles and direct reports and, and, uh, and, and I don't want to say power because you don't really ever have any power, but just the very idea that like, you're in charge of something. It's very easy to quickly say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't need to do that kind of thing. I, I have a person to do that for me. Right. Uh, and, 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 and it's amazing how you see that even in these incredibly small structured structures, you know, these, these incredibly small 
companies, you would never expect to see that kind of attitude. And then you've got people, and I'll pick on Jeff Veen because I'm about to do a pipeline interview with Jeff Veen, the amazing, fair the amazing Jeff Veen, who has done so many things and could very easily be the kind of person who's like, well, I, Dan, I have people for that now. But he's the exact opposite. He rolls up his sleeves and he, and he still works. You know what I mean? And I, I love that. And certainly if you don't have a choice, it's, it's easy to say, yeah, I do everything in my company. It's just me. I was watching this uh, documentary the other night. Heidi, I think it was one you recommended to me. Uh, the the Wiki, WikiLeaks. Uh, what is it called? We have, yeah. we have secrets. We steal secrets. We steal secrets. It's so interesting. Really interesting. Oh, it's so interesting. And I didn't know anything about Julian Assange or anything. And it's just when they were, I think what you're going to say is when they're talking about the company yes. and how he's making it seem like a bigger deal. Exactly. Than it was. Talk about it. It's awesome. Well, the, it's, I mean, she said it. That's they, they, it was, it was a, it was basically him and a computer. <laughs> right. There was like him, his $300 laptop and like two part-time interns. Right. And like that was, and, and they said the whole a, thing. a very cheap uh, sport coat that he would put on when he had to do an interview. And like, yes. that was the whole company. I remember, and I, I know I've talked about this before. But I remember in the olden days when I would, I wanted, because this, this was the fashion at the time, the style at the time, um, title, that'd be a fun title, yeah. style. This part won't, won't air, we'll mm, edit this. No. But uh, as was the style at the time, the, you, you wanted to seem like a bigger company. You didn't want to seem like a small company. You didn't want to... Be like, it's me and, you know, I hire a couple other people to help out on a project by project basis. Like now that's normal. Now that's fine. But back then, like you wanted to seem like a big company. So like as I was working on. Because only big companies were legit. Right. If you're a small company, you're like, nah, untrustworthy. I don't know about you. I had a company called Automatic before um, Mullenweg had the name of his company as, as Automatic, the company that does WordPress. And so we're talking ancient, ancient history. And his company is Automatic with the two T's because his name is Matt. And I had called mine Automatic and I had like AutomaticLabs.com. So everyone thought it was called Automatic Labs. Anyway, that was my consulting company where I built like software. And yes, after he named his Automatic, I essentially had to change the name of mine, not because he wanted me to or told me to, but because how can you compete with something that's like the people who make WordPress? Like someone comes in and names it that, like you're kind of screwed. Um, he didn't do it on purpose. I don't even think he knew that I had that company. Different story. Uh, anyway, back in the automatic days, uh, I, I, you know, the whole site, the whole context of the site was that we, we build these kinds of websites. We do this, we do that, we do the other thing. And it wasn't because I hadn't sort of made a name for myself as a software developer or as a, a web designer, which I guess back in those days, somebody with my limited web design skills could call themselves a web designer. But, you know, like that's what I did. That was the thing that I did. And I could have just had it as, you know, danbenjamin.com, like and called it that, or like Benjamin Design or something. Like I could have done that. And, and said, that it's me, and I do this. And I remember at the time, Dan Cederholm, who uh, used to have a, a website and company called Simple Bits. This is before he went on to found Corked with me and then subsequently Dribble, uh, which is really what he'll be known for, I think, uh, despite all the other great stuff that he did you know, for clients. He would say on his website, I am 
Dan Cederholm, I work here. I design these kinds of sites. And it, he wasn't doing it to seem humble. He wasn't doing it to, 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 to seem, ah, little Dan there. By, no, he was like, it's me. This company is me. It's one employee and I have an intern. Like that was it. He didn't exaggerate or try to seem like a bigger company. And then that kind of became the trend is that all oh, those guys are too big. We don't want to hire an agency. We don't want to hire a firm. We want to hire like a team of like three really great people to come and help us out with this. And that's, I think, still the trend. They wanted to hire people, not a company. That was like the whole thing. And I think now people are very proud when it's like, it's me and two other people. Right. Because guess what? We're doing the work of a big company, but it's just three of us. Right. And like, that's how efficient we are. And yeah. I think people are really proud of that. I mean, and there I, know, you, I know we are. Right. No, we <laughs> totally are. And we've, we've on this show before kind of joked joked about how people always think that this is some kind of big company and this is a big empire. Like it's, it's really not, uh, it's, it's me, it's Hattie. We've got an, uh, an intern who's here almost every day and we've got a, a couple engineers that, that help us edit. And then we have our great hosts and you guys, the listeners. And like, that's the company we've got Janie who comes and does our accounting stuff from time to time. Uh, you know, that's basically it, you know, and people still to this day still think it's, it's a lot of people. And it really, it's amazing what, although we, I think we work very hard, I, I think it, it's, it's amazing what people who are willing to, like we're saying, roll up our sleeves and, and like do whatever we need to do to get something done. I think the days of a startup coming in and getting way, way, way overbuilt and, and go, people going crazy uh, and, and, and just saying, we need to hire 40 people because we need just really good people and we're just hiring people. Like those days are gone. And I think, yeah. you know, even even with issues like burn rate and everything, um, those those things are, are are days of the past. People are trying to be lean and mean. Title. You know what? Lean and mean. Yeah. You know what? I think I think the reason why that's happening is um, because now instead of taking 40 people in a department. Right. They're all mediocre. Maybe one or two are really good. Uh huh. That's what it took to do one kind of one job. Thing, yeah. But now people are hiring to one or two or three people that are outstanding. Mm-hmm. And that equals the 40 people in a big company. And yeah. I think that's what I think that's what companies are doing now. And I I love that. Yeah. You know, like look at look at uh, Natalie and Anthony, who were, have both been on the show as guests at different time periods, who went on to start FunSize, which is FunSize.co. They got very specific about what they do. And I love, I love the concept of this, getting specific. That's also would be a good topic, a uh, point to write down. Excuse me, Hattie, if you're, uh, mm-hmm. if you're making uh, notes for the show notes. But before I, I tell you what I mean about getting specific, I would like to say thank you to our first sponsor. It's Linda. You know, they're all about productivity, Linda is. And that's what they do. They, they have more than 3,000 on-demand video courses. And if you want to go and figure out how to do something, you want to better yourself in your current job, you want to go and start a new career, you want to start your own business, you're not alone. It seems like you are, but, but you're really not. What do I mean by that? I mean, you can go to Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, Linda.com, slash quit, actually, they, they got the URL going. And you can sign up and get a 10-day free trial, and you'll have access to all of their videos. So again, like there's no reason why you couldn't take that time between 7 and 11 p.m. during the week after you're home from work instead of just sitting there and watching Mr. Robot 
you know, instead of just, you know, sitting there drinking beer, that you could go and sit down and watch some videos. And you could actually learn something amazing because they have really amazing stuff here. And it doesn't matter what it is. You want to learn how to podcast, edit files? They've got courses on that. You want to learn GTD? David Allen's teaching that class. Nice get. I mean, you name it. They've got a tax fundamentals, income tax fundamentals. Well, that sounds boring. Right. It is boring. But if you're starting your own thing and you can't go and afford to hire an accountant, hire a bookkeeper, you better know what you're doing. Bootstrapping your business. These are all courses that they have there. Learning to be assertive. Negotiation tactics. Yeah, really good courses. So here's what you do. Go to Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com. And uh, lynda.com slash quit is where you'll get that free trial and support the show in the process. And just by you going there, and especially signing up for the trial, that supports this show. That makes it possible for me to, to do this show. And I appreciate all of you who have uh, already gone to sign up, but go check it out. Do yourself a favor, too. Great service. Lynda.com slash quit. Getting specific, Hattie. What I mean by that is, Natalie and Anthony could have gone and been a design company. They could have gone and hired some engineers and said, we're a full-service shop. We will build your iOS apps. We will build your Android apps from scratch. Tell us what you want. We'll, we'll design, design it. We'll make them. Code it. Everything. Build it. But they don't. They, they might grow into that, which would be a nice evolution for them. We started doing X. We then added Y. We then did Z. But that's not what they did. What they did is they said, we're going to do one thing. And basically, they focus on UX. That's it. They go in and focus on UX for mobile apps. That's it. You would say, well, how, how could they make a, like a, 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 how could they make a living doing that? How could they run a business doing that? That's weird. No. They basically only do like user interaction design, user experience design, product design. That's what they do. They, and, and you know what? They don't write code. Their deliverables are constructs, visual representations of this is what your app should look like. This is how your app should work. This is the style of it. This is the way it should work. This is yep. what it should do. These are the features and only these features. And these are how these features should work. Well, how can they make a living doing that? Designers do that, right? Coders do that, right? Yes, they can. But this is all they do and they became specialists in it. And they do it and they do it better, I'm going to say, than pretty much anybody else out there doing yeah. it. This is not an ad Austin, for, I'm not trying to, to advertise for them because I don't think they even can take any more clients right now. You yeah, know what I, I mean? think they're, I think they're hopeful. They're like maxed out. But the point of it is- They always are. <laughs> they, because they do one thing and they do it really, really, really well. Now, if they were to come to me and say, you know what? Our, a lot of our clients are saying, wow, this experience working with you guys was so great. We want to work with you more. We want to do more. Could you actually build the app for us? I'm assuming, I'm, I don't know the answer, but I'm assuming up till now, they'll be like, no, we, that's not what we do. It wouldn't be a stretch for me to say, for them to say, we've been doing this for X number of years. We've been very successful at it. Repeatedly, clients are saying, can you take this to the next level? We're going to try that on our next project. We're going to work with a local developer or two, bring them in and manage that process and see how it goes. Did it go well? Was it worth doing? Yes. Okay. Now that's a service we'll offer. No, it didn't bring. Okay. Then you know what? No, we're going to stick to this thing. 
But it used to be, you used to always want these full service companies. They do everything. We code, we did, and that applies to most industries. And now it's all specialists. Well, and that's, you know, it, the same goes for, for your job too. It's like, do you, like we've talked about, do you want to be the person that's pretty good at a lot of different things? Or do you want to be someone who's really good at one thing? Right. Generalists what's like more appealing us, to a Both company? of us are generalists, Hattie. Right. And that's bad for both of us. If we I wanted always to, worry about if that. If we wanted to do anything other than be in like a business, then then it's bad. Like right. you can, you told me, you've told me this many I'm times. I'm like, if I had to put my resume together right now, I have no idea how right. I would. How would you get, target that? Hi, I can do a lot of things. Need me to help you rack equipment? Right. Or design a t-shirt? Right. What do you need? Right. It's just kind of, I don't know how I would possibly even begin to start putting my skills on a list. Right. Like, that doesn't make sense. And see, like for me, as a an owner of a business looking right. to hire someone, that's exactly what I want. Right. But as like a bigger company, if I'm looking to hire somebody who's like, I need, you know, and my, I'll always pick on the DBA. I need a DBA or I need a PHP developer. I don't want someone who's a PHP developer who also likes Ruby and really prefers Python. That's not the person I want to hire. I want to hire the person who's like, nah, just PHP for 10 years. Right. You're like, okay, cool. Right. That's what I want. You'd say, well, that seems short-sighted. Well, no, because I have run a big company and I have 50 PHP developers and I just need all the best PHP developers, not the ones who dabble in Rails in the weekends. That's fine if you want to do that, but like, but don't, don't tell, tell me, me about that. it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me that in your interview because it's going to take me off in a, in a direction where I'm like, well... If he's doing that, maybe he'd be better for the Ruby right. job. Would he? Be, does he want to do that? Yeah, you know, like that's what I he really wants about, to do. He's right. bored of PHP already. Right. He's going to be bored here. Whereas at a small company, well, what languages do you know? I know these eight languages, and I'm learning my ninth this weekend. Yes, you're hired, right? Because you want them to be able to take on anything that you throw at them. Their their job is going to be a little bit more general, more of like you're the coding guy. You code stuff. You learn the language that we need you to. Right. And that's your job and you yeah. just do it. But like you said, like, oh, I need a PHP developer. Like, they don't want you to deal with anything else. No, no. They want yeah. you to laser focus. So now, that was my, uh, you know what? It's weird. Right now, it's ten, it's uh, 10.50 in the a.m. In the a.m. Yeah. The light is, morning light is streaming into the room. Are you cold? I'm warm. In you a, are. I'm uncomfortably warm. Really? Yes. Oh. But there's a very different vibe for me here in the earlier part of the day than there is in the afternoon in the in the room. Maybe it's like because you're wearing a white shirt instead of your usual black uh, lace uh, gown, head to toe gown. Right. It's like a the goth. with my headscarf and, and right. my you know long skirt. And yeah. It's just basically all covered. It's a goth, a goth look, and today you're doing yeah. more of a preppy hipster thing. I got my, you know, I got my, my maybe it's shoes. that, maybe I it's got my ripped jeans, the light streaming in, maybe it's the time of day. I was going to say it feels nice and cool in here, but the work that you do at different times a day, I think you need to find that zone. Mm -hmm. That's the right time for you. I am, I am, when it comes to being productive and doing the good work, I do the good work in the morning. I think most people do their best work in the morning. I think there was a study that said people are most productive from like. 8 a.m. But you told me you like to be up at 2 a.m. doing no, your that was in, paper. No, that was in high school and college. I That was when, like, I was basically 
felt asleep all the way through the day. And then as soon as the sun started going down, it was like explosions went off my brain. I'm like, I'm awake now. Time to get stuff done. And that's when I got things done. Now I'm yawning at nine. You know why? Because I wake up at 630. And that thing right there. What is the coffee? Yesterday you came in and you, you, I was I, quiet. You were long. quiet for a long time, and then you got. Then you realized you hadn't had coffee. You made coffee, and all you talked about for like the next hour was how good coffee was. I was like, "Oh my gosh, coffee's so good!" And you're like, "I know." Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a good conversation about coffee. Now I wanted to do instead of doing calls this week because we're recording at a slightly irregular time. I wanted to do some uh, email because I, I have a, 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 a whole stack. You hear the thickness of that stack of paper? This is a whole <laughs> ream stack. of paper. So I don't know if we're going to get through all of these, but I want, and look at how long, look at the kind of emails yeah, that we get. Yeah, they're uh, very hey, in-depth. I am the luckiest person in the whole world to have I know. this kind of listener. Well, I, re- I read those because you wanted to make sure that we hadn't read yeah, them I before. Yeah, I, I get excited about all the emails. I, I print them and I have a stack of emails here and I don't even know how to put pro- these. Look at, I know. Look at my amazing listeners who and write they, these they kinds thank of emails. You. And they th- they thank me. I haven't done anything. You do something. You're like I haven't a done anything. Color commentator. Yeah, I just make them laugh. But I think Hopefully. I think what's funny is that, that you offer a completely different insight, and people appreciate that. I hope so. I think they do. I appreciate it. Oh, good. All right. Can I say this person's name? Read the very first line. One of them was like, "They Don't. tweeted to me." All right, this is, okay, I'm going to, and this is back in April. Yes. So this is an old one. So I tried to remember if we had done it. It doesn't sound like we've done it I don't it think we've done it. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a shot. I tweeted earlier today and tried calling, but didn't luck out. I'm not sure if I'll be freed up next week. So here's an email. Nearly my entire web development department was laid off in early December. Of the nine people, including testers and managers, only two were left. I'd say I was shocked, but not surprised. Like finding out an elderly relative had passed away. Lesson number one, if you feel like the company isn't doing as well as they're letting on, you're probably right and you're best served by getting out as soon as possible. I got a reasonably good severance and liquidated PTO. I'd guess that it would have lasted six weeks, so it was important to move quickly, but also not so bad. I needed uh, I needed to start pushing fallbacks, retail jobs and whatnot, immediately. Uh, okay. Um, I hit the metaphorical pavement as soon as I could. As much as LinkedIn sucks when you're not looking for a new job, it's pretty great when you don't need to be coy. I started lining up meetings and a variety of staffing companies, some referred, some nearly cold called, and some from Monster, LinkedIn, etc. This guy is going, he's reaching out to everything. You know what I mean? He's doing everything. He's, he's, he's emailing people. He's using yep. the websites that are out there. He's Very using active. LinkedIn. Yeah. Each of the staffing people gave me great advice about changes to my resume, which since my job was getting a job. See, look at that uh-huh. mentality. I love that we don't talk about that enough is that his job, when he, when he stopped having a full-time job at that company, that moment, his job became getting a job. I love that attitude. That's the right way to do yep. it. If your job- We had a recent caller. I yeah, wonder if it was him. It might've been him. But continue. But the, the whole thing is, if you are, and this is why I wanted to read this email, because this point that he makes, if you are- in a situation where something changes, it's out of your control. That is redefining your purpose. His job became getting a job. I love that. If you decide view. that, you know what? I don't want to get a job. Now is the time for me to start running a business. Your job is business owner. Like it changes instantly. And that's what you're doing. Since my job was getting a job, 
I promptly made changes uh, to to it, leading to an idea about GitHub for resumes. He says, but that's another 30-something in my idea pile. I used to be a .NET developer, had just left the cold fusion shop, which meant two companies in my area. One was hiring, but their ramp-up interview was like six weeks. I started that process but kept going with the available openings with the staffing companies I was working with. Within a couple of days, I had an interview lined up. The staffing person I had spoke to seems to have realized that I wanted to move fast and had a couple ideas on what might be good fits that would see me quickly and have a little process to s- slow things down. Long story short, you know, he gets something. But there's so much advice in this email. I could do a whole show about this, just this email. I know, I know. He was, I read that one. That so was much really in good. Here. And he's a great writer. I know, it's very I know. De- There's a lot of dense information here. Um, he says, I went in and admitted it was my first interview in a long time and asked for any advice when we were done. I thought it was going well when I realized it had been going for 45 minutes. It ended up being 90 minutes. They essentially offered me the job before the interview was over. By that night, the staffing company was offering me gift cards to nice restaurants to close the deal. I accepted the next morning and ended up with a significant pay bump, 30%, and a team that's great to work with. It's not all roses, but the stench is about normal for a job I feel I'll enjoy for a while. The pace is rough and estimates, which people in software are generally terrible at, is the lifeblood, but I think I'm figuring it out. Thanks to you and Hattie and Merlin. The years I've been listening to you and the Ruby Rogues, which is a different show. Uh, Sorry, this is rambling and parenthetical. But just look at that. You know, here's a guy who goes out there and realizes his job is getting a job. His job now is getting a job. I just love that. Here's another person. This is writing about show number 65. Does not want me to use his name. I'm writing about show 65, which may have resonated with me more than any other episode. What was six? What, yeah, I'm looking 65? at that right now. What did we do that was so good about on 65? Are you pulling it up? Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. The first point that resonated with me was coasting at work. I fully admit that this has been true for me since a large company brought, bought my very small company a few years ago. We pushed hard for the first several months to integrate our code into the larger product that the new company had in development. The problem is that terrible bureaucracy at the new place sucks all the joy out of daily work. There are so many status reports, project tracking systems, and meetings that there are only a couple of hours some days to do any real work. I just can't handle it. Nobody ever seems happy with what is being accomplished in spite of all the micromanagement. The problem is I'm not a young person, and it's been hard for someone to find work in tech in the Valley if you aren't young or a real expert in something. This leads me to point two, which was the discussion of expert versus generalist. See, we're talking about this today. And large versus small companies. I completely agree with what you are saying. At the small company, the fact that I knew something about a lot of different things was an asset. I could patch together systems, write scripts to build code and test it and change the user interface to accommodate a new feature. I could help redesign some classes that needed to be split, and I could probably write you a report to help analyze reams of data, yet I was not the best person to write a new user interface from scratch or figure out why a C++ algorithm in the product core was slower than expected. Now that I'm part of a several thousand person company, they want someone who can own an area of the code and don't care whether you know anything about all the other stuff that goes on. There's an IT department or a support department for those odd jobs. I've been told that one generalist besides me is always under scrutiny if they want to cut headcount slightly, and I'm better off trying to focus on one area, so I feel like a fish out of water most days. At one point, I've been trying to make peace with being a corporate stooge, but I am not enjoying work, and I'm also feeling guilty about not putting in the usual level of effort most days that I would expect if I were the boss. 
I do have money saved, but I don't have time on my side in terms of taking a big risk at doing something new. I wouldn't have a lot of time to recover if it went terribly wrong, so I stay where I'm at, drawing a paycheck. Can't say who it is, but... Um, Number 65 was, but my my co-founder is different. I think that was the one where after a hiatus, we came back and Schloke was there and we were talking about uh, hashtag talk pay. Right. The difference in mindset between starting your own business and being a freelancer and then running a business. You know, I I, I think this is such an interesting situation because that person's company got purchased. It got bought and he got integrated in. And now he's in the kind of job that he would never have wanted to take. Now, I, I don't know how much he sold the company for. But there's two scenarios where you stop doing your own thing. The first one is somebody offers you so much money, you just can't say no. And the other is you're not really happy doing it. And so hearkening back to the time that I was running my own consulting company and uh, a client that I had just kept giving me more work and more work and more work until I was basically just doing 40 hours a week for them. And it was, it was, I realized I was like, this is kind of nice, you know, like I don't have to go and worry about all these other contracts and writing proposals. And I can almost just, it felt like a job. And yet I was doing my own thing. And after a little while, it's like, but if I, you know, if I worked for them, well, yeah, I mean, I was worried about that, but I was also thinking like, you know, if I worked for them, then I would, uh, I would wind up, you know, um, like getting benefits and getting paid time off and all of this other stuff. And I'd make like the same money. And I realized, you know, at the time anyway, that I had kind of burnt myself out on doing my own thing. I was, I was feeling mostly done. I was like done. You needed some, you need some rest time. And by rest time, having a corporate student job. (laughs) So I took the rest time and I took the job and I realized in the process, uh, that uh, that I I wanted that I wanted that to uh to 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 recover to reboot to restart to get fresh to to almost like it and it, and you know what it felt like a vacation at the end of the day at six o'clock to be done to be done it was crazy. Anyway, I think this is great advice. I love these emails. Let me tell you really quickly about our second sponsor, the amazing Wealthfront. Wealthfront is an automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. You set it and forget it. If you're young, you're earning money. You set this thing, you walk away from it. And when it's time for you to retire, you'll be able to retire. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's what I wish I really got. I remember those early jobs that I was doing in my early 20s and, and all these people kept saying, Put money away, save money, do a 401k, put it, do a 401k, blah, blah, blah. And I, I never did it till later, till years later. And meanwhile, even when you do the 401k, there's still money you should be putting away. There's still money you should be saving. There's still money you should be investing. But who wants to deal with that? Who wants the hassle of like figuring out what I should be investing in, figuring out how I should move things around? So you wind up just putting it in some fund that's not going to do anything for you. Or you go and you spend a lot of money to hire somebody. Wouldn't it be nice if you could hire some people who are really, really smart for like a quarter of the cost of a traditional investment advisor, about 2.5, per year? Yeah, that would be pretty cool. That's what Wellfront charges. And they went out and they got a team of world-class financial experts 
economists, people who really know what they're doing, and Silicon Valley's best technology talents. And they put this together, and they got seven PhD researchers from Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, and they, they got serious about it. Now they manage $2 billion in client assets. They've grown over 20 times in the last two years. And you can get your first $10,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 That's a really good deal. And trust me on this. It doesn't matter when you start. Put a few thousand dollars into this thing. And it will grow. You know, like let them manage it. You don't have to think about it. That's the part that I like. They're thinking about it for you. Do something uh, good with your money. Invest your money. Now, I must read a disclaimer. Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA, SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks, and there is a possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read the full disclosure. Low fees, telling you. Wealthfront.com slash five by five. Thanks to them for making the show possible. I think we'll do one. We'll do one more here. One more? Yeah. What do you think about that? I think that's a great idea. All right. We'll do one more. And then we've, we've got more, but I want to save some of them. But these are great. And I love this. And, you know, I like uh, people complain about the Ansible, about doing the phone calls because calls are like lower quality. Uh, so we're taking a little break from that this time to just focus on emails. I think that I think everyone. I love the emails. Need a little bit I of love a, the emails. Yep. Dan and Hattie. Oh. Please read this on the air, and you can read my name this time, Clay. For the record, you're not worried about me, but I learned valuable lessons from my quick call. I'm still doing the same thing, but more: managing a nightclub, writing about comics on the side, doing social media for a client. Is he the guy in uh, True Detective? Is this the guy? <gasps> it's Frank Like a Semien. real life. Lesson was that even though writing about comics wasn't quite generating money, I remember this, this guy. It was giving me other benefits. I am working toward doing independent nights and weekends work to make the extra income I need, possibly quitting sometime. Also, my relationship is better because I always include my girlfriend, Stacy, in my plans, comics related or otherwise. Thanks, Hattie. Late August, <laughs> I... I'm just reading this, yeah, what the email says. You're welcome. Last August, I had a house fire, which was in oh. temporary housing and a lot of BS to deal with related to that. Now, Stacy and I are in our own apartment working hard and enjoying our life. The big news is that I achieved something with no monetary value per se, but a huge leap professionally as a comic book fan. And he says, please read my Stan Lee interview. It was a short interview, but a major milestone. I've been so happy since then. Think about this. This guy goes out there, Clay, Frank, whatever goes out there and interviews Stan Lee, who's like the guy, the Marvel guy, the invented guy. Marvel, created Marvel. I mean, what an accomplishment. Anyway, he keeps going. He muses about some other things that he's going to be able to do, but he's motivated. And that's why I picked this particular email to read because he's motivated now. Yeah. And the reason that he's motivated is because he's made a series of very small changes. Very small changes. And those very small changes lead to a much greater effect. You don't need to say, I want my life to be like this. Well, yes, you can think about that, but that can't be your goal, right? Your goal has to be, 
these are the 15 small steps that I need to take. These are the 15 small accomplishments that I need to take. These are the individual small things that I need to do, each of which seems very achievable. If I were to tell you, you're going to move to a new city, you're going to have a job, uh, the job that you've always wanted, heading up a design team, and you're going to be able to walk to work, and it's going to be a cool city that you've always wanted to live in, and you're going to use a Mac instead of that terrible Dell that you have, and you're going to have an iPhone in your pocket and an Apple Watch on your wrist, and you're going to write HTML and CSS every day. Sounds like a neat job, right? Especially now because you work in a factory. Well, how are, what are you talking about? How are any of those things going to happen? It's impossible. <laughs> no, it's not impossible. You just need to set achievable, attainable goals for yourself. And the first goal might be, I'm going to go out and buy a book on HTML and CSS. Or I'm going to go watch, you know, it's a 10-day free Linda trial, right? I'm going to go and like watch these videos that will teach me this stuff. Much better than sitting on the sofa and saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, no, I'm, I, I don't know how I'm going to get to that job that I just described in that life that I just pictured for you. But what can I do? I can, I know that I can read a book on HTML and CSS. I know I can do that. So do you do that? And at the end of reading that book and going through all the exercises, you will be able to do HTML and CSS. So that's step one of 20. Step two is buy the second book and learn more. Step three, find the local meetups. Start going to them. Step four, start building a small network of other designers and developers. Step five, start getting involved in little uh, cool open source or individual projects around town. Step six, become a master of the part that you enjoy doing the most. And on and on and on. Until all of a sudden, maybe you get paid to do some design work. And maybe you get paid to do some freelance projects. Maybe you start making a name for yourself and on and on and on until now it's time for me to move to Austin, San Francisco, whatever. Austin's cheaper than San Francisco. And better, though. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? That's how you get there. You can't just have the dream and say, I'm working toward the dream. You have to take small, manageable steps. Now, let's say you buy that book on HTML and CSS. And you're like, that sucked. I hated that. Well, it's a good thing that, uh, that you realize that early on. You can, you can give up on the dream that would never have worked out for you and focus on something that will work out for you. Focus on something that will bring you joy. I, I knew somebody who her dream was to like move to Paris and live in Paris. But she just had this dream and like that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to like work in Paris and live in Paris and be in Paris. Like that was her thing. But she never developed a concrete plan of like, here's how I'm going to get there. It was always sort of grabbing at stuff, grabbing at stuff. Now, if you really wanted to move to Paris, you'd be, okay, well, how can an American live, even live in Paris? Right, they don't want us there. Planning. They don't want us there. Especially the French. Yeah. But like yeah. how, do, so, that, so that's not going to stop me though. How do I overcome that? I can't be the only American who's ever wanted to live in Paris. How did they do Maybe it? Maybe I should talk to someone who already lives there who is an American. Right. Do I need a visa? Do I need a green card? Do I need, you know, something like right. a work visa or how long can I be over there? I know that after you live there for a certain amount of time, you have to, uh, you have to go back home for a short right. amount of time and then you can, like, yeah. you're not going to be living there. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Right. But and after you examine all of that, you maybe say, maybe I should it, learn French. Maybe I should learn French. Is it worth it? Is that something that I wanted to do? 
do that, whatever it is, whatever the goals are, you can achieve them. But they take work. But more important than the work, it's funny, the work is the easy part. Doing the actual work is easier than the plan and executing the plan the right way. And you've got to take the time. You've got to take the time to do it. That's all I've got. That's all the email. I'm going to stop because there's more. There's more. I'm going to save these for next week. Because these are good. These are really good. But next week, I think we'll do, we can do another call-in show. I think we'll do calls next week. Anyway, listen, thanks very much to everybody for these great emails. Please keep them coming. We'll work on making the Ansible and our calls uh, sound better for you. You can go to 5by5.tv slash quit to subscribe to the show if you're not already a regular subscriber. And if you want to send emails, 5by5.tv slash contact. You'll see a list of all of our shows there. Click on the, uh, the link for quit. Send the email. Let me know, please, if you are uh, okay with me using your name and or reading your email on the air or if it's just something you just want to share with, with me and Hattie. That's important. Otherwise, I will assume I can read it all. So uh, Also, I put a link in there about uh, why do Americans not take their holiday time compared to other oh, yeah? countries. We can talk about that next time, but okay. I thought that was pretty interesting. Save it for next time. That's a good topic. Thank you, everybody. And uh, I'm on uh, Twitter. If you want to hit me up there, I'm at Dan Benjamin. Hattie also on Twitter, at Hattie Bird, H-A-D-D-I-E, Bird. And, uh, and that's it. That's all we've got for you this week. We'll be back next week. Have a good one.